Cool. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be with you. Uh, and it's great to have this big, booming voice on the speakers. No, I'm joking. Um, but, yeah, I, I must say it's, it's wonderful to be here with you as we celebrate Sunday uh, as well, to have all the kids in the service with us this morning. Um, I wanted to have uh, someone dress up in, in a bunny suit for the kids, um, but Gareth said no. I don't know, Gareth, if you just don't like kids or what the issue was, but... Um, you know, but no, I'm, I'm just joking. I don't want to ruin your chances, Gareth. He loves kids, and, um, and anyway, I'm just joking because he was giving me some grief at the door. But I, I would never ask anyone here to, to, to be in a bunny suit. I promise that because I had a traumatic experience uh, about a year or so after I started coming to this church where they said to me, would you help out one Easter? Uh, shame with my daughter running around. But I basically was asked one Easter to help out, and they said, we, we, a person who's supposed to be the Easter bunny has, has got a bit of a cold, and we need someone to step in. Will you do this? And I was like, okay, well, how, how bad can it be? I remember, you know, looking as a kid and seeing, a, you know, seeing someone in a bunny suit, and of course, there was this massive, you know, head, you know, no one would recognize me. Uh, it might be a bit hot or, you know, because it was quite a warm day, but how bad can this be? And then I actually got there in the morning, and I saw the suit they wanted me to wear. And literally, the face was cut out. And, you know, apart from this, and there were all these little, like, um, you know, pink ribbons and all that type of stuff. And then they put this thing on, and, you know, they also had to put this white sort of pantomime paint on your face. It's literally like heavy sunblock that blocks every pore. So you can imagine in 30-degree heat, it was an absolute nightmare. And I, of course, had to go out, and I, I lost every shred of dignity as I was there. And the, everyone was like, hop, hop, hop. And then eventually I, I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And they went, hop, hop. And then I gave a little hop, and, and it was just there in shame. Um, one of my friends, to just save my dignity a bit there, he said, well, at that time I wasn't married. He said, well, Dave, at least the single ladies were checking out your tail in the suit. But... Still, so, so just to say, I wouldn't do that to anyone today, but um, it's, it's funny when we talk about Easter, and we're obviously focusing on the Lord, Let's, we're focusing on what He did today, um, but it's amazing this effect of Easter eggs has, you know, that it has on children. With Stella yesterday, she woke up, like she was randomly sleeping, and she goes, Easter egg hunt, Easter egg hunt, and you know, it's like, where do you hear this? I mean, maybe it was a program she watched, but, but you know, I remember myself uh, in, in, in church doing an Easter egg, egg hunt the one year. Um, what had happened was we as kids used to go to traditional, kind of a very culturally Christian, which means you go to uh, church at Easter time and Christmas time and, and, and not really beyond that. Um, and we used to sit there. It was painful. They put us on, 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 on wooden seats so we wouldn't fall asleep. And we, we, the one year we were basically instructed, no, as kids, we had to go outside. And, um, you know, already I was uncomfortable. I thought, let's just get through this. I didn't want to go outside. And other kids that I didn't know, this is going to be twice as bad as it normally is. Sorry. But I, I'll get there, Lord. I, you know, thank you. You changed my heart with that. But... Um, 
And my mother told me, she said, David, you want to go with other kids? There's an Easter egg hunt. And I was like, an Easter egg hunt? Oh, wow. And it wasn't just my desire for chocolate that was invigorated. It was my, 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 my inner desire for competition and to win. So, of course, I went jumping out of my seat and you know, all the other kids were in this neat line and they were going to the Sunday school. And I proceeded to jump around in, in, the, in the pristine gardens of this church, tearing up these bushes looking for Easter eggs. Um, much to my disappointment and embarrassment, I, I did realize at some point there was no Easter egg hunt. And, uh, you know, I, I felt a bit silly. And, and obviously, when you have a desire like for chocolate that wasn't fulfilled. And I know there's some serious chocolate, chocoholics here, don't you, you know, for Easter, it's a big time. But when you don't have your desire fulfilled, you need obligation to go back there the next time, I tell you. And for myself, my, you know, my desire for chocolate wasn't met and I didn't have any kind of fulfillment. So, when you don't have that, you feel, okay, well, you know, I'm really going to need to be forced to come back to church the next time. Now, the reason I tell this story about having a desire is we're, we're speaking this morning about fulfillment. Um, you know, fulfillment is really about Jesus' fulfillment today. We look at what he did on the cross. And the reason why I tell that story, it wasn't just to make you laugh or embarrass myself, but... It was to tell you that I believe that our, our religion, our faith, our relationship, God, needs to be based on, on fulfillment, not obligation. Because when it is based on fulfillment, it comes from a place of passion. You can't sustain obligation. If you're coming here out of duty, it's not going to work. You need to come here out of fulfillment and a passion that comes with being fulfilled from Jesus. And... You know, what the, the, the thing we need is, sorry, I'm not going to bring out chocolate for everyone to meet your desire, but what I'm hoping is that you are going to have a meeting with Jesus like you've never done before, if you haven't. And as we talk about this fulfillment on the cross, you're going to meet with Jesus and be fulfilled in a way that you never have before, and it's going to cause passion in your life as you follow him. So without further ado, let's, let's get into the scripture which we're going to be looking at this morning, uh, John 19, verses 28 to 30. And I'm going to be reading from the, uh, the ESV version. It's up on the screen, but you can also look in your Bible. So here we go. Stella, that Easter egg hunts in big jeopardy after the service. <laughs> I'm just joking, shame. Um, so after this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said... To fulfill the scripture, I thirst, a jar, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a high sop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his soul. So Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to anoint your word. And we thank you for the effect that it has in our hearts. And I pray that it will bring fulfillment as we talk about your fulfillment on the cross. So, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do today in our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name. So, here we have this, 
this beautiful picture of Jesus on the cross. Well, actually, it's not that beautiful. It's, it's a scene where he passes away and he dies. And he, he takes this vinegar of all things to drink. And then he says, it's finished. And he gives up his spirit. Um, what's so interesting to note about this is that John writes these, all these little details, basically about how, um, you know, he drank vinegar, how none of his bones was broken, um, about how he was pierced, about how they gambled for his clothing. And it says it was all to fulfill what had been promised. Now, think about this picture is God had always been promising his people this amazing plan of salvation that would bring, that would change their relationship with God forever and would connect them with the Father in a beautiful way. And throughout Scripture, God left these clues. And for the astute Bible-reading Jew, they would have gone through the Scriptures. And then when they actually saw what was happening with Jesus, like drinking the vinegar, they would have said, wow, that's one of the clues. I see one of the clues there. It's kind of like, uh, just to, maybe I couldn't think of any game illustrations, but it's like a divine nuit for nuit, you know, where you have your hand stemmet and he gives one clue and he says, is that, you know, do you know which song it is? And then, and then another note. And God was doing the same thing through his word. He was dropping these clues to say, this isn't just a normal execution on the cross. This is it, guys. This is, this is Jesus who's come for the, to, 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 to pay for the sins of the world. So that's interesting to note. You think sometimes, why, why are some of those interesting details in there? You know, why did he do it? And God was basically announcing that the Savior had come. You might ask this morning, what did it mean when Jesus said, it is finished? What was finished? And I think to, to help us with this, I want to look at, at a, a, a similar verse. Um, and oftentimes when you want to say, well, what does something mean in Scripture? It's good to look at other verses in the Bible that help us give understanding and help us with the, uh, you know, help our understanding and the in-depth thing from these Scriptures. And if we look at Corinth, uh, uh, Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15, I'm going to read from that. It says, and this is what I believe Jesus was talking about, well, part of it on the cross. He said, you were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature, and because your sinful nature was not cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So we see that when Jesus said it was finished, it was this beautiful fulfillment. And it was a fulfillment, firstly, of the perfect sacrifice. Secondly, it was a fulfillment of, you know, this new life from the cross, this perfect new life. Not perfect in terms of a storm-free life, but perfect in terms of a new direction with life. And thirdly, it was, of course, this fulfillment was a perfect victory. Now, if we look at this first thing, you know, that fulfillment on the cross was basically a perfect, was Jesus' perfect sacrifice for our sins. Throughout history, man always has this idea of a higher power. He knows that God, from the creation, has created him. 
and he knows that there's a, a, some kind of something wrong between man and God that we can't connect with him properly, and we know that we're accountable to him. So what man has always been trying to do since the beginning of time is to, you know, repair that gap. And still today, people are doing that, whether they do it by religion, good works, trying to convince themselves that they're not such a bad person. We all do it. And it's this idea that, you know, somehow we can get right by God. But, of course, what the cross tells us, fulfillment on the cross tells us, is that no human sacrifice, no human effort can ever properly repair that breach that we have with a perfect father. And why is that? That's because God is holy. He's perfect in every way. And nothing we can do, no matter how many times you meditate, pray, chant something, no matter how many good works you do, it's not enough. But Jesus' sacrifice is a perfect sacrifice. He is the only person that came and lived a life without sin, a flawless life, so that when he went to the cross, he was that perfect sacrifice. And the sad thing is today that still people don't realize that. A lot of people, you have good people and then you have religious Christians. And what I mean by that is good people are people that say, well, I'm not such a bad person. I don't need Christ's sacrifice to get me right with God. Things are all right in my life. I'm, I'm not so bad. And they compare themselves with other people. And maybe compared to other people, they're not so bad. They're actually not a bad person. They're probably pretty good. But compared to a perfect God who is 100% holy and you want to spend eternity in his kingdom, it doesn't work that way. You need to be perfect. So it is only through the perfect sacrifice, when you receive Jesus' perfect sacrifice, that you are made perfect before the Father and you can spend eternity with him. Now, I speak about this thing with religious Christians, and your religion is one of those words that can have a lot of meanings. But what we can also do sometimes as Christians is where we start adding to the sacrifice of Christ. We start adding extra stuff that we have to do that's going to win us favor with God. And sometimes, you know, you've had variations of Christianity that have added a day or added eating practices to it, which is adding to the gospel. But I think a lot of the time, the fact that Jesus was a perfect sacrifice is an invitation to us to transformation. What I mean by that is when we come into his presence and we mess up, you know, what he wants us to do is say, I'm sorry I messed up, but I want to change and let his spirit set us free from that and make us more like Christ. But when we don't want to change, and I, I know I do this, is we stand back and we say, no, Lord, we'll practice a bit of religion or I'll beat myself up. And in that way, I'm making myself right with you, you know, because I feel guilty about this. So I'm going to beat myself up and knock myself down, and somehow that's going to cover my sin. It doesn't do that, my friends. We have the perfect sacrifice in Christ. And when you've received Jesus, all your sins are covered. And there's a scary freedom that comes with that. But Paul said, don't use your freedom for sin. You're dead to sin, and you're slaves to righteousness. So my encouragement today that maybe we've all done it on some level, where we don't want to change, we don't want to let go of that sin, we don't want to let go of that thing, and we practice religion to justify holding on to it. God is saying today, no, I made the perfect sacrifice for you. Let that thing go and let me, let me cut it away from your life. 
And then maybe on the other side, if you think you're a good person, you need Jesus, and he's here today, and he wants you to appropriate that perfect sacrifice. The second aspect of fulfillment I want to talk about is that Jesus gave us a new, from the cross, that fulfillment gives us a new life and a new purpose. Jesus wants us, it says, that we are made alive with him. He wants us to live in relationship with him. It's not a case that we put up a hand and say, yes, I want the perfect sacrifice. My sins are forgiven. Okay, cheers, Jesus. See you at the end. He, he wants to walk every step with us. And how do we how do, we do that? Well, we, we do that through the word, uh, you know, through finding Jesus in the word and through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm amazed sometimes, and I, I hope this uh, illustration makes sense, but sometimes we see the Holy, I, sometimes in Christianity, we see the Holy Spirit in the Bible as a seesaw. Like one goes up, and then the other one goes down. Or one goes up this side, and the other one goes down. But really, we're called to search out God in the Scriptures, and we are called to know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's almost in a beautiful way, these aspects of God's living presence with us and the truth of His Word coming alive in our hearts, that that's the way we truly experience Him in the best possible way. And does anyone here know, just showing my age, the, do you remember when we were growing up, those things called storyteller or storyman? Is anyone? Yeah. So you might think, where is he going with this? You know, But with those books and you listen to the tapes, there was something enhanced when you looked at the, at the books and then you, you, you listened to the tapes at the same time that gave you the full experience of, of getting right in the story and it is the same thing with the Word and the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes what we do is we say, oh, I'm, I'm more of a Holy Spirit person or I'm more of a Word person. That's craziness. We need both sides. We need the presence of God and we need the truth of God. And that helps us to walk with God. But also, apart from having a new life, we also are given a new purpose where everything in our lives is due to meeting Jesus again. And I know sometimes, you know, we all want to live a decent life. We all want to get through the storms. But we need to keep in mind that from the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he is coming again, and he's going to come again as a king. So we need to understand that he's coming again, and we need to be prepared for that. And I believe that when we lose fact of the fact that, you know, we lose fact of the fact, sorry, um, we lose that focus that he's coming again, we start to make Jesus our ticket to a storm-free life, the perfect life. But my friends, the perfect life isn't here, it's in the next life. And what we do here, it's not necessarily changing what you do, it's, it's changing the way you do things. Are you doing things to bring glory to God, to prepare yourself for meeting with him, and to prepare others for meeting with him? The last bit of fulfillment that I want to speak about this morning is fulfillment on the cross obviously speaks about a, perf a perfect victory. It speaks about a disarming of principalities and powers. Now, in our sort of Western mindset, although we're in Africa, we're quite Western here, yeah, in a certain sense, you know, 
the idea of demons and demonic power and stuff is something almost of an embarrassment. But I believe as a church, one of the reasons why we minimize and almost overlook this is that we've lost our discernment to see what is happening, what the devil is doing. And to, we've got a secular thinking that has come in that thinks that we can solve our problems ourselves. But this tells us, and I mean, obviously in the news, talking about disarmament with the scary situation in Russia and Ukraine, it is something very prevalent on our minds. But the victory of the cross, it says that he disarmed principalities and powers where we had this oppression, where the devil was wreaking havoc in our lives. That is no longer through the cross. We can stop that. And when we understand that fulfillment on the cross is a perfect victory, we understand that we can use the victory of the cross to stop the work of the evil one in our lives, but also to stop the work of the evil one in others' lives. And you might say, well, you know, it's modern day and age. We, we don't see demonic activity. We're not as superstitious as then. Look at all the division. Look at the, the, the evil things going on in the world. Look at the manipulation, the control. These things are results of the, of, of the demonic. And we as Christians, through the power of the cross, we can stand against these things through prayer, through, you know, through, through, through using the word. We can do that. And, and, and in the lives of other people, we can preach them. We can tell them the gospel. We can pray for them. And we can break that power over their lives. And I know we don't often speak about this part of, of Easter, what Jesus did, but he disarmed the principalities and powers. We can do something about the evil in the world. In fact, we are called, each one of you is called to do something about it. And God has given you mighty weapons of warfare that is prayer, praying, declaring the word, preaching the gospel that breaks the demonic power in this world. And I really believe that God is giving us a call today to use it. And we sometimes disqualify ourselves thinking, I'm not this type of person, so I can't do that. But everyone who has received the fulfillment of the cross is able to do this. So my friends, I don't want to keep you here too much longer. Um, I know that you've, you know, we've got a long weekend and Easter weekend, but I really wanted to, to, to just bring a summary to this, that Jesus brought a fulfillment on a cross that was obviously a perfect sacrifice, a perfect new life, and a perfect victory. And I want you to experience that fullness today. Jesus wanted you to experience that fullness today. And you might be here today and you've never actually fully received the, the sacrifice that Christ gave for you. I want to give you that opportunity. And I want to give you that opportunity. And, and we're going to pray with a few things together. But also for those who maybe you know, haven't taken up the full new purpose that you have in Christ realizing that Jesus is going to come again and it's going to be amazing. He's going to take you to, to, you know, it's going to be in his kingdom forevermore. But then also thirdly, talking about taking that authority that you have in Christ and lifting that up. I believe God wants you to respond to that today. So I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads with me and I'm going to pray for us. So, so Father, I want to, I want, I want to pray this morning, thank you for your word and your awesome fulfillment on the cross, that you had a plan and purpose for our lives. And I thank you that your fulfillment brings that breakthrough and brings that perfect sacrifice that covers every sin.
And I want to pray now for anyone who is here today and, and is saying, I, I've maybe thought I've been a good person or I've never fully received that sacrifice. I want to pray that they'll receive that today. And as they say yes to you, that you will give them the gift of eternal life and forgive all their sins and nail their guilty record to the cross, as you say in your word. And we declare this morning, we declare that, you know, you said if anyone, you know, if anyone would, would, um, would believe in his heart and declare with his mouth, Jesus is Lord, he will be saved. So I just pray for that there's anyone like that today that they'll respond and say and declare with me, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you forgive their sins and you save them and you bring them to eternity with you, God. And Lord, I just also want to pray for, for anyone who's maybe been living life just without the idea of you uh, coming one day that almost where it just feels like life is just in the moment has totally taken everything away and that's the sole focus. I want to pray that they'll clearly see how they can live their lives with you coming again, Lord, and how they can position and change their lives in a way that will bring you glory and prepare others and themselves for meeting you one day. And then finally, Lord, I want to just say, you know, just where, forgive us, Lord, where we haven't taken up authority because we know in you, you have perfect authority that you disarm the principalities and powers and that through that, we can have freedom. We can have victory in our lives, in those around us. So I thank you, Lord, for all those here who desire in their heart to take up that victory that you say yes. And through the power of your spirit, you empower them in an amazing way. So, yeah, thank you, Lord, for, for your fulfillment on the cross. And we just thank you for the incredible way it is going to put passion in our lives as we follow you and as we encourage others to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.